Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live. This is an exciting day. couple reasons. One, we're actually packing as we speak for San Diego and getting ready for the winter meetings. And you can just tell the buzz. There's already people that are already there. They're camped out, ready to rock, because this thing is really going to start Sunday at 5 o'clock. That is when we're going to find out whether this group of players who didn't get elected on the writer's ballot, now they go to this committee of 16, and can they now get into the Baseball Hall of Fame? This committee, it's like an oversight committee. They're here to decide if the baseball writers, if they missed something, if they didn't get it right. That will be announced at 5 o'clock on Sunday. And then Monday arrives. It's really day two, but it'll feel like day one of the winter meetings because that's when all the shows and everybody's going to go live and really everybody, all the front office people are going to be there. The wheeling and a dealing will really start on Monday face-to-face. And, of course, Ace Cast Live, we will be there. We're shooting for Cody, what, 1 o'clock? Yeah, 1 o'clock on Monday is our schedule for then. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we're aiming for 9 to noon and then 2 to 4. So five hours of oh, coverage. Oh, you're working me two times a day while I'm in San Diego? Five hours of coverage on Tuesday, five hours of coverage on Wednesday. And we so far we will, we, we will think about this, A's cast. We will, as one show, do more from the winter meetings than probably anybody else. Now, MLB Network goes all day long, but that's multiple shows. 
Sirius XM, MLB Radio, Channel 89. We love them, too. They'll have all their different shows. But we're one show. Nobody will do more content, audio, video, a multimedia platform, as we like to say. No one will do more than us. Yeah, no, it won't come close. And we already have some good guests lined up for for Monday's show, Tuesday's show, Wednesday's show. Um, it's going to be a good time while we're down there. I don't want to give away, but we will have Brian Kenny on Monday after the uh, MLB Now and host of MLB Network. The manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Derek Shelton, will be on. The guys from Sesamitis Barbecue will be on. Susan Slusser will be on. After, she's one of the members of the Contemporary Ballot, so she can talk about the vote and who gets in or who may not get in, if any of them. So it's going to be interesting on Monday. Man, we have bigger names than that. I'm just, I'm no, just, no offense to them. No, I was just promoting for Monday. Oh, okay. Uh, Terry Francona, yeah, well, the, for, the, the reigning American League Manager of the Year, is going to be on the program. We're going to have, hopefully, Sam Fold, uh, Bob Melvin. Former A's player, general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, who are just in the World Series. I have made contact today with our old skipper, Bob Melvin, and it looks like Bo Mel will join us from San Diego on Wednesday. Billy Bean's going to stop by. David Force will stop by. Mark Kotze will stop by. Happy birthday, Mark Kotze. Kotze's birthday is today. So, yeah, Kotze will be on with us. David Force. Billy Owens is going to be down. We'll try to grab him. Assistant General Manager of the Oakland Athletics. Our good friend Sarah Langs is going to be there in person who will be coming on with us. That will be absolutely phenomenal. So, we will be jam-packed every day. Oh, Mad Dog. Chris Mad Dog Russo, the radio – not not like New York Radio Hall of Fame, where we have the San Francisco Bay Area yeah. Radio Hall of Fame. He is in the Radio Hall of Fame. That's the big boy. That's impressive. Uh, Paul Hemikides from ESPN is going to be here at 1.30. Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs. He also does Sports Illustrated. What else does he do? Uh, I think he was – yeah, those are all things he should do, but he's big on the Hall of Fame, so that's why I wanted to get him today. And uh, he has his jaws for the Hall of Fame. We'll talk about that uh, at 2.30. I just I, – I didn't plan on starting the show with this. Well, first, let's do this. You know, Ray Fossey taught us so much about the game. And we have – we're redoing the studio. As you've seen, our studio has started to change here. And we're going to get we, – we love you, Ray, back up. We're going to have a, a, a fan wall coming up here. We now have multiple cameras. Show them, Cody. Uh, well, here's the other camera that we have set up that we use for just you for interviews. And Boom. We'll, put it on. It is on. Is it on? They can yeah. see me? All yeah. right. So we're going to end up having three cameras in the studio. So we're going to have the camera that is the full shot. We're going to have a camera in the right-hand corner. We're going to have this camera right here when I'm doing interviews. We're stepping our game up for the 2023 season. And we're going to put all the jerseys back up. We're going to have a fan wall off here to the left. You're gonna allow. We're gonna have UA's fans send us stuff. Hopefully, kids send us a lot of stuff that we can put on our fan wall. So uh, a lot's gonna be going on here with our studio as we continue to grow and step up our game for the 2023 season. But one thing that Ray Fossey taught us was how great Gaylord Perry was, and Gaylord Perry. I got to see him as a really young kid growing up in San Diego, going to Padre games, of course, was the 1978 National League Cy Young Award winner. I was six. So you're talking about like when I'm six, seven years old. 
I remember he was a big deal. I don't really remember all that that much. I do recall. And obviously in the Bay Area, starred for the San Francisco Giants. So many great years with the Giants. Uh, Cleveland. And, you know, Ray taught us about the greatness of Gaylord Perry. He and his brother, his brother's Jim, right? Uh, let me double check. I don't want to say yes. He and his brother, two brothers, pitched Major League Baseball, two brothers. Uh, his brother also won a Cy Young, right? Jim Perry. Jim Perry, yeah. Um, he won a Cy Young, right? Let's just double check. He won the Cy Young, two-time Cy Young Award. Win. No, wait. no it, went to, it went to Gaylord. I clicked on Jim, though. Um, All right, well, you're researching. Yeah, he did win a Cy Young. He won yeah. the Cy Young in 19... I want to say it was 1970, 19, 1970 at age 34 to Twins. I mean, two brothers grew up on a farm, both won Cy Young Awards. I mean, they're the greatest duo of brothers. And Fossey always told us great stories about Gaylord, but the one thing Gaylord did not want to have happen, did not want it, that was the bullpen coming in. Gaylord Perry despised the bullpen. He would, in his southern draw, tell the manager, partner, the guys down there not are, are not as good as the guy up here. Talking about himself. Gaylord Perry was an absolute machine with the amount of innings that he threw. It's crazy. A 90 war, 314 wins. Wasn't even a first ballot Hall of Famer. Shows you how crazy the writers are. Took him three tries. 314 wins and the innings. 5,350. Like, we look at a we look at a war horse now is Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer's not even at 3,000. This guy threw over 5,000 innings. He was throwing over 300 innings a year. We can't even get guys to go 200. And sad he passed away. Played for the Giants, Guardians, Rangers, Padres, Yankees, Braves, Mariners, and Royals, and I know he was a very good friend of Ray Fossey, so we just want to tip our cap to the the big right-hander, truly one of the greats to have ever played. And you think of those Giants teams where they are always overshadowed by the Dodgers or the Cardinals. When you have Marshall, I mean, that's one of your pitchers to go along with Gaylord Perry, two Hall of Famers, Mays, McCovey. I mean, Cepeda, he played on some good teams, but never went to the playoffs because the way the playoffs were structured back then wasn't like today. If Gaylord would have played in today's era, he would have been in the playoffs all the time. But back then, it was much tougher. I think he only played the playoffs. Check it. Was it one time? <coughs> Sorry, still dealing with my cold. Let me pull it off. I'll see him in the- We'll see what it's not coronavirus, by the way. Do you know the flu's back after two years of being gone? Funny how that works. Do you uh, hear about that? Um, well, I know a lot of people have been sick the, the last flu's year. The flu's back, folks. He pitched in the postseason one time, and it was in 1971. 1971. Who's he with, Giants? The Giants. He pitched against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 1971. I wasn't even born yet. So we want to tip our cap to the great Patna. And Ray Fossey had some of the greatest stories about Gaylord Perry as we lost truly one of the great pitchers and really artists, right? 
because he didn't always have the Vaseline or, you know, you put snot on the ball. <laughs> he didn't always have the spitball going, but he just always made you think he was doing something. Sometimes he did. Sometimes he didn't. Threw hard. He was big, lanky. And, I mean, this guy ended up on all the talk shows. Man, he was going on Johnny Carson. I mean, he was an entertainer, the great Gaylord Perry. So, But I want to get into this because it's crazy. We had everybody here, right? Ray the Karate Kid was here. Uh, DA, our boss, was here. Cody was here. As we're working on the new studio and then preparing all the gear to take to San Diego for the winter meetings. Isn't it funny how different the winter meetings is for A's cast? Last time we went down there, we were just an audio show. It was just us. Didn't really have to bring much anything. Now we got all this equipment and everything that we're bringing. You're going to get everything, not only audio, but you'll get it video. So all these great names and people you're now going to see. And you'll you'll be unveiled to our brand new 10-foot-high banner that we have for uh, remote broadcast. I haven't even seen it yet myself. Supposedly behind us will be you – know, behind us now is Ricky Henderson Field. It's the Coliseum. But behind us is going to be this big A's cast banner that's green behind us with two logos on it ray and i set it up the karate kid he'll be in san diego with us we set yeah. it up it was so big that ray had to stand on a on a balcony just to for us to flip the uh backdrop over the poles that's how big it is love it so i i had to take the dog while all these guys are at my house my wife of course has i've take the dog to go get groomed <laughs> So I take the dog to go get groomed. It was literally down the street from my house. On the way back, I'm listening to great San Jose State Spartan. Kevin Franzen's filling in today on Loud Outs on Sirius XM. It's, you know, it is funny how I talk to all my old buddies in terrestrial radio, and they go, yeah, did you hear my shit? No. If you're not if you're on Sirius XM, I don't hear you. I either listen to MLB or the NFL channel. That's what's great about SiriusXM. You don't have to deal with all the different garbage that you get with terrestrial radio. That I hate to crap on because I came up in terrestrial radio and I worked on terrestrial radio for, what, 25 or so years. But I was listening to C.J. Nikowski, former big league pitcher, now broadcaster TV for the Texas Rangers. He comes on this show. Uh, recently just had him on. Maybe we see him down there at the winter meetings. Yeah, hopefully. I can't remember if he was on the list, but we did have him on recently. I mean, we'll see everybody down there. But he just said something. Blew me away. I literally dropped the dog off, get in my car, I'm heading back. And he says, and I don't know who his source is, could be – I he didn't, did he ever play? He might have played with Scherzer in Detroit. Let's see if they over – let's see if they uh, cross paths. I mean, CJ played for a while. He also played overseas. But, CJ played for 8,000 teams, but I, I'd, I'd say they probably – No, CJ's out of the league. His last year was 2005. Scherzer wasn't even in the league yet. Okay, there you go. But there's he has, he's got some source. When talking about Verlander playing for the Dodgers, he brought up today, and it's, it's a point that, you know, we've harped on over and over and over again. Like, this new model that the Dodgers have doesn't work long term. And they're doing it in their minor leagues. They're doing it in their big leagues. Uh, how did it work for them in the postseason? Once again, it didn't. Babying. I'm not saying even babying anymore. They don't want their starters to pitch. And you might go, well, how the hell do you guys know? Okay, yeah, that's a fair point. We're not in L.A. But 
CJ Nikowski just said, what time did I drop the dog off? 12-something. 12 12. So about 12.45 on Sirius XM, he came out and said, Max Scherzer hated pitching for the Dodgers. Remember, Scherzer was traded with Trey Turner to Los Angeles from Washington to help the Dodgers win the World Series. And you thought, wow, Mad Max going to L.A.? Last time I checked, L.A.'s got a lot of money, right? Oh, yeah, they have a big payroll. They got a big payroll. Like, why wouldn't Mad Max stay in L.A.? Because he didn't like it. They tried to limit everything about him. He is a guy that likes to work. Hard to believe, right? A Major League Baseball player who wants to play and wants to play as much as possible. The fact that I'm even saying that to you on this show right now sounds effing ridiculous, right? And I hate to do the effing, but it's it's dramatic. Like, he wants to play. He's a pitcher. He wants to get the ball every five days, and he wants to compete like hell. It's what he loves. It's his passion. It's what he lives for. Every day he wakes up, he thinks about it. Every day he works out. Every day it's about getting better. Max Scherzer is a true professional and he went to LA and they according to CJ they limited him on game day they limited him his workouts and he hated it so what did he do signed with the Mets he said get me out of here actually signed the largest deal ever for a pit well AAV for a pitcher so now it makes me think huh because I thought Verlander and LA is a perfect fit Family-wise, mama's a supermodel, mama's a star. She's a global star. And she appears in everything from television shows, movies. She's Kate Upton. She is a global star. They have a house in Los Angeles. They have a beautiful daughter that we got to see when Verlander won the American League Cy Young as his daughter joined him after he won it. And I said on this program that 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 girl is not going to grow up in Houston. She will grow up in Los Angeles. I would I would I would buster only bet the farm on that one if I had a farm. I thought LA's perfect fit, right? He needs to go somewhere where he's got to win games cuz his his whole goal now is to he wants to get to 300 wins. He wants to get paid a lot, and he deserves it, right? He, he I mean, he's not going to sign for 10 million. I mean, whatever he gets, I mean, he's earned. But he wants years because he thinks. I mean, let's face it. He goes to the right team. Could he win 20 games? He's got the new arm. Tommy John still has what he's got. Is he as good as he was, data wise, when he was with the Tigers in his prime? Probably not, but he's still pretty close or pretty damn good. If if he signs with the right team, is it a stretch to say in three years he could amass enough to get him 300 wins? No, not at all. He's at 244, so he needs to average somewhere around like 15 wins for the next five years, and he'd get there. Not in three years. Oh, three years. So yeah, he, I mean, if he got around 20 every year, yeah, he'd be there easily. Just do the math. Yeah, three years in L.A. If you and, want if, it. and if L.A.'s winning 106 to 111 every year, I mean, they've been over 100 every year. You're starting every five days. You pretty much stay healthy. You got a chance to win 
at least 17, 18 games a year, yeah. if not more. And Hence, he gets to 300 wins. If 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 that the caveat is that they let him go five innings every start, <laughs> well you're jumping the you're jumping the gun here. That's why I was like I think LA's got to be the front runner. Oh for sure. Sorry, I even turned my sound off for so it didn't go off. So I thought LA would be the front runner. He did everything he needed to do in Houston. He got two titles, got the awards. Now, to me. I think people like getting away from the stench that is the Astros. I think you just, you know, great. Thanks for everything, guys. We won again. Love you all. See you later. I don't think, even though they won again, I would bet if you pulled George Springer aside, I bet if you pulled uh, Garrett Cole, Correa, I bet would be bitter because they won without him and his replacement was the ALCS and World Series MVP, I think that's a different story. But I think just getting away from that, I don't think guys are going to be like, ah, yeah, it would have been nice to get another ring, but I'm, I'm, even though uh, Cole didn't get a ring, I get that. But I'm just, I, I, getting away from the Astros probably for a lot of guys is they're cool with that. So Verlander seemed like a total fit, and one of the reasons why I'm starting with this is there is a belief. And I kind of agree with it, as we're going to give you our big, bad, bold predictions about the winter meetings. A lot of people believe Aaron Judge is not signing. We will not have. We will be at. We'll be. We'll, we will show you with our cameras. The Yes Network. You know, we're, we're coming with lights and cameras and everything. They bring an actual Yes Network set. We'll have a table. They have a full on. They ship out a Yes Network TV set. They have their own television set, cameras, the whole thing. We we got cool cameras. They have the full-on, long, big cameras that you see when you're watching games and they pan over and show a guy, you know, the camera guy down the right field line. They've got, you know, they they rent them out from whatever company in San Diego. They're putting on a full-on production. We'll show you that. I don't think that production gets heated up like it did when we were there in 2019 and Garrett Cole signed and the place went bananas as he signed that record deal. I I don't think that's going to happen. And then you wonder, okay, what's next? Well, the next thing is the shortstops. And they might all haggle around and none of the shortstops sign. And then you got Contreras. Mm Mm-hmm. He's probably going to wait for the shortstops to kind of set the market. I don't know. I mean, this might be all about starting pitchers. This might be the winter meetings of the starting pitchers where you hang your hat like, I can't remember. Where were the meetings when Albert Pujols signed? Was that in Nashville? At the the Grand, not the Grand Old Opry, but what's Opryland or what's that big convention center they got there in Nashville? I don't know the answer to that, but it was 2012, so – Seems like it would have been Nashville. Do you know or, what I'm talking about? It's like Opryland yeah. or something like that. It's like this huge – I've never been there. Well, let me see what I can uh... – But it's all about the big players and the big names and once one guy signs. and I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen – The Grand Old Opry. Grand Old Opry. It's a massive – supposedly just massive. Oh, do you want some breaking news real quick? According to Joel Sherman – 
The Brewers and Mariners are finalizing a deal that will send Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro to Milwaukee for Colton Wong. So Mariners get Wong. Brewers would get Winker and Abraham Toro, the infielder they got from the Astros a few years ago. To I, I, I actually really like that deal for the Brewers. Because Winker, in a small ballpark, in hitting conditions like we saw in Cincinnati, puts up numbers. Mm-hmm. That's not Seattle. Not at all, no. Seattle is a beautiful ballpark. Might be the best ballpark in baseball. Yeah, I said it. No, it's not. It's 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 Pac Bell, SBC. No, it's not. AT and T. How many names has it been? Now? Uh, a bunch. The, the best ballpark in baseball is in, in Pittsburgh with that lousy team, but they have a great no, ballpark. I'm not saying P. I'm say, I think I think I'll call it Safeco. You call it T-Mobile, right? T-Mobile is. I love that ballpark. I'll call it Safeco. I've, I'll be a dinosaur and call it Safe. I went there when it was Safeco. I, I I would probably still say Seattle's the best ballpark I've ever been. To. Oh, Seattle's you, awesome. I think you're gonna say. And when the roof's open, oh man, it's a, gross. A lot but, of people really like Miller Park too, or but American Family Insurance Field. It's cold because it's open, and it's not a, it's not the most hitter friendly place. I think Jesse Winker going to Milwaukee, which is a very hitter friendly place, that's a good deal for them. They had some thump. Because they lost what's his name to uh, Anaheim. Oh, Renfro. Yeah, this was yeah. Renfro. So they 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 got a little pump. You can have Colton Wong. Um, well, he's, according to Joel Sherman, he's due to make ten million in twenty twenty three. Winker's due to make eight point two five, and Abraham Toro's L- L- arbitration eligible. So back to the thing about the winter meetings. I believe this will be about pitchers. I think pitchers are going to get what they want, especially starters. They're going to get what they want. And they're going to not only get the years, they make it an extra year. I mean, you might have someone like Chris Bassett, our old Chris Bassett, signing for five instead of four, three or four, maybe getting five. Verlander getting three. DeGrom getting four instead of three. You might have starting pitcher, and just one of them has to go, and the floodgates go on pitching. It's like it's. I, I would compare it to – I would compare it to – Cody's fantasy football draft, kicker panic or defense panic. Once one kicker goes, kickers <laughs> start going. Once someone takes a defense, guys start taking defenses. One pitcher goes, and, you know, I don't know, Rodon, DeGrom, Verlander, one of them goes, and it just starts flooding starting pitchers. Well, you're telling me the Zach Eflin deal wasn't the one that's going to open the floodgates? That's not. I Oh, the biggest deal in, 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 in Ray's history. Blah, 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 blah. Three for 40, 13.3 annually. Uh, Bob Nightingale's reporting also. The Brewers also plan to keep shortstop Willie Thomas. Yeah, we'll see. Because that would make it five shortstops on the market. Yeah, him through trade and the other four guys free agents. Obviously. I mean, that would be five legit guys on the market. All right, coming up next. Paul Himikides Himbo from the ESPN Morning Show. Get up. If you're up early, you watch the show. He's kind of feeling the way I'm feeling about Sunday. Sunday's a big day. Sunday is going to set what we lead the show off with on Monday. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Cam Stadium. Shantoni, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. The winter meetings start Monday and A's Cast has you covered. Join Chris Townsend as A's Cast Live will be broadcasting from the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego. Stay up to date on all things green and gold and around Major League Baseball with all major signings. And hear from the biggest names in the sport, such as David Force, Mark Kotze, Terry Francona, Mad Dog Chris Russo, Sarah Langs, and more. Coverage starts Monday at 1 p.m. on A's Cast, and you can watch the show live. Visit youtube.com slash athletics or on Twitter at athleticscast24. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, we want to show Hembo our new toys that we got going here on A's Cast Live. All right, Himbo, a lot has changed. So we got the new background of the Coliseum behind us, Ricky Henderson Field. We got multiple My goodness. We got multiple cameras. Do the other camera angle. <laughs> we got multiple cameras going now. <laughs> I mean, two of you is too too many of you. I mean, come on, it doesn't get any better than this. How are you, my friend? Professional operation. We have a third camera that we will be unveiling after the winter meetings. Say that one more time, babe. I just lost your audio for like 10 seconds there as you were. Uh, it looks like filling me in on the beauties of your new studio. We will be adding a third camera. Right now we're at two. We're adding a third one after the winter meetings in San Diego. Are you, are you getting more people or, or is one of you just putting on too much weight for the two camera situation? Like how, how does this, <laughs> this work? Look, I, I heard your boy Cody. Cody's doing like the professional live reads now. He's doing all the important stuff. The, like that's, that's what Greeny always says. Like Greeny just says like, look, do all the sports you want, but you got to make sure you do all the reads. And Cody sounds like he's doing all the reads like a, like a friggin' champ. How is everything going uh, lifestyle-wise for you? Morning show, got to get up really early. Great to see on ESPN and then have baby twins. It's a lot. Um, (laughs) Honestly, this is a – I don't remember, like, the last three months of my life, and I'm not going to remember having this exact conversation with you at at this exact time because I'm just so sleep-deprived always that, like, just to be able to, you know, get the – do the fundamentals, it requires, like, so much energy and effort. But, like, it's a good – like, 
like I don't know the best way to describe it, but like I guess before, like everything that happened in my life was between like a four and a six. Like everything, like the worst thing could possibly happen was only so bad. Like the best thing was like a six, right? Now it's like, like a million to one. Like Defcon five, it's Defcon bong, yeah. So like it's like it's life has so much more layer and so much more satisfaction, but obviously so much more responsibility. So I have I have taken to it fairly well. My wife is an absolute champ. Like she's done a lot of the heavy lifting at night since I wake up in the middle of the night to go into New York City and do the shows. But we're doing great over here. I'm still uh, managing to keep my smoke schedule uh, on the Traeger on the weekends, which is obviously exceedingly important. And uh, we're doing the best we can. But honestly, like this is going to be a large chunk of my life that I mostly forget. So <laughs> on, on Sunday at 5 o'clock, we're going to see who of this group of players that are now on this new ballot to get uh, into the Hall of Fame. They they didn't get in by the baseball writers, so now it's like an oversight committee trying to right the wrongs of the baseball writers. We'll see. I know there's people who are really rooting for Fred McGriff and Don Mattingly uh, and Dale Murphy. I'm rooting for all three of those guys, too. Then you got the PED guys and then Albert Bell, who nobody likes. There's the, <laughs> there's the one guy that I think it is an absolute sham. I think a lot has to do with politics. It has nothing to do with the morality clause because before he ever got crazy on Twitter, the first time he was on the ballot, this guy was Sunday night baseball and he only got 38%. I'm talking about a guy who's got a better ERA plus than Jim Palmer, John Smoltz, and Mike Mussina, all in the Hall of Fame. A career 11-2 and two in the postseason, was an ace for your Phillies in the postseason. He was the ace for the Diamondbacks and an ace for the Red Sox in all these World Series. He was one of the greatest big game pitchers we have ever seen. There is no argument other than his political beliefs of why he is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. If Kurt Schilling... Does not go if we arrive in San Diego on Monday and he's not a baseball Hall of Famer. This 16-man committee of players, executive media people—they've completely gotten it wrong. What do you think? I think you're 100% right. Kurt Schilling, no cogent argument can be made that Kurt Schilling does not belong in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can make one for Barry Bonds. You can make one for Roger Clemens because you could say, look not authentic and while i would vote for them you can at least construct the argument yeah. the best you can possibly do for kurt schilling is eh. and you know what i don't like him it's good enough. you you said the exact phrase that i was going to and that is he's not among the best he is the best big game pitcher of my lifetime and you had some outstanding numbers to back that up i brought some to the table as well he has started five postseason games faced elimination all five. Wow. And in those games, he had a 137 ERA, averaged innings, and 112 pitches. Five for five, right? His career postseason record, which you said it was 11 and 2, it's the best mark among all pitchers to start at least 10 such games. 19 postseason starts in total. He allowed one earned run or fewer, one earned run or fewer in 12 of those 19 starts. He threw a 147 pitch shutout. In Game 5 of the 93 World Series. It remains the most recent World Series shutout in an elimination game. 2001, Arizona. 56 strikeouts across that postseason. No one else has ever had 50 strikeouts in a uh, a single postseason. World Series co-MVP. 
He allowed four runs across three starts in that series. Two of them came on short rest. And then in 04, the only pitcher in history to win a World Series game with three different teams, the Phillies, the Diamondbacks, and the Red Sox. By the way, that guy has 3,100 strikeouts in the regular season. If you don't think Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Famer, right, you watched a different pitcher than I did, and you didn't hear all of those ridiculous notes that demonstrate that not only was he obviously a brilliant regular season pitcher and probably deserving of going in the Hall of Fame had he never thrown a single pitch in the playoffs, but his postseason resume is absolutely beyond reproach. I would like to take that and question what you just said Mm. and play that to every person who's a baseball writer. So over 35% never voted for him. At at his height at the last year, eight, nine, he got 70-something. Kurt Schillings hasn't been arrested. He hasn't been charged. He, we're not talking about domestic violence, child abuse, drug abuse, none of that. When you start talking about the moral clause, because you can't, you don't have an argument against his career. This is where the Hall of Fame, like you could have, like you said, you could have an argument against Bonds and Clemens and PEDs. And you don't have an argument. I'm not, I'm not a political person. And I don't care what your politics are. But if people are not voting for a player because of his politics, and because there's proof that before he did some nutty stuff on Twitter, whatever he did, um, and you don't like what he did on Twitter, still that doesn't seem you shouldn't vote for him. I mean, baseball really needs – if there was one case to look into, like, how are we really electing these guys? Because if you're not electing him because of – how you feel about, you know, what he says on Twitter, his political beliefs. Man, we got a problem here. I mean, he should be. I mean, the moral clause, he hasn't been arrested. He hasn't, you know, you just spelled it out. He should be a baseball Hall of Famer. If he's not getting in, man, what is what is, what is future voting really going to be like? Yeah, and, and Kershaw is a perfect example of how, People are complicated. Obviously, Kurt Schilling has um, not exactly wrapped himself in glory since he retired in his personal life. I don't condone literally any of the things that he has said or done, and those are largely the reason that he's excluded from the Hall of Fame. But when I said people are complicated, here's what I mean by that. Major League Baseball has four awards that you might call integrity awards. The Branch Rickey, the Roberto Clemente, the Lou Gehrig, and the Hutch Award. There are four such awards, okay? Kurt Schilling won all four raised millions of dollars for ALS. He has been he has worked tirelessly to support our veterans. Like what I'm saying is complicated. And on one hand, what Kurt Schilling has done post uh, career is vile and awful and I hate every part of it. As any reasonable person does and should. But people are complicated, man. Kurt Schilling was once considered someone so uh, beyond reproach as a person that he won all of those awards. So you have to explain to me how all these things that he's done since he retired should have any impact on whether or not he belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Again, I'm not condoning it, but if you're going to use the character clause against Kurt Schilling based upon those few things, then I think you have a Hall of Fame filled with like half a dozen people. I I, I think a great one is, and I think he's and and from you know your area, you might be a little young, but you know how great he is. I don't think there's a better player ever in the National Football League than Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor is the greatest football player of all time. A lot of people believe that, including Bill Belichick. 
um, yeah. who coached him and was his defensive coordinator. He's said it many times. There's no one like Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, his greatness, if you said that of a baseball player, Lawrence Taylor couldn't get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Right. Absolutely. And baseball is the only sport that ostracizes its best players, that ostracizes its players for whom we sort of selectively decide what matters and what doesn't. I mean, how, how can we have a Hall of Fame without Kurt Schilling that includes Cap Anson, who erected the color barrier, for God's sake? Like, we can't have this kind of double standard. Like, I understand when it comes to the steroid guys, we can at least use the argument that their careers were not authentic and thus we can't put them in. I don't agree with it, but that's a reasonable argument to make. But if we're going to start dissecting morality in this way, it's not, a, um, it's not an exercise for which I'm comfortable. And it's, frankly, it's not an, uh, an argument for which you can win when it comes to Kurt Schilling based on all the things, uh, the positive things that I detailed on the right side of his ledger, if you will. So by no means should he be disqualified for those things. I think his playing career is obviously such that he is a, an obvious Hall of Famer. And before we move on to a different topic, I'm going to ask you a quick trivia question, right? Because I have this list up. Kurt Schilling had three 300 strikeout seasons in the National League. Only two other guys did that. Who are the only two other pitchers with at least three 300 strikeout seasons in the National League? Well, I mean, Nolan Ryan in Houston, but I don't know if he did it three times. Uh, I would think lefty Steve Carlton. No, Steve Carlton is not on that list. So Ryan and Carlton are not on the list? Pedro? Ryan's... Ryan's biggest strikeout seasons were in, wow. in Pedro Anaheim. Pedro's not correct. Yeah. You're gonna, I mean, I'll give you one of one was his contemporary, a direct contemporary, and the other is one of the greatest legends in the history of the Tom Seaver. No, that's the era, that's, that's a little closer to the right era though for one of these guys. Both right. of them lefties. Both of them lefties. Three hundred strikeouts a year. Randy Johnson. Three. Randy Johnson did it four times. Oh, with the D-backs, yeah. Sandy Koufax. And the other is Sandy Koufax. Wow. I'm looking at a list right here with Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, and Sandy Koufax on it. And, <laughs> Kurt Schilling can't, and, and, and that comprises the entire list. And Kurt Schilling can't crack the Hall of Fame. No. And, oh, by the way, uh, ERA Plus with all the analytics geeks love, uh, better than Smoltz, better than Jim Palmer, and better than Mike Mussina. Okay, so I, mean, I think the best what? way dude, you don't have to convince me. The best way to describe Kurt Schilling and the reason he's not in the Hall of Fame, the the quote was given to us by former Phillies GM Ed Wade. And what he said of Kurt Schilling, and I'll clean this up a little bit for your audience, is he's a horse every fifth day. And a horse is behind the other four. <laughs> <laughs> and those other four days are why he ate in the Hall of Fame. And that's and that's you know, some guys I, I think it's Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent was no day at the beach, but you wanted him in your lineup every day. I mean, there's certain players, they're not the most friendly. I mean, anytime you play in, in, in team sports, you're going to play with guys that you don't necessarily love, but they help you win, and that's what matters. It's about winning games. We're not electing Mary Poppins here. This isn't who's Mary Poppins. We're selecting who are the best players of all time. And if you're and and fine, the writers didn't do it, which is horse bleep, but now this committee is supposed to right the wrongs of what the right if the writers who are basically saying, I don't like your politics, I'm not putting you in, that's a wrong, but this committee is here to right the wrong. That's I sometimes I think we sort of over committee, but this is a case in which I think 
Kurt Schilling absolutely must be righted. And look, the worst argument I've heard of anybody, like, and I've heard this on multiple occasions, is that some of the writers didn't uh, vote for him because they didn't want to give him a platform on that stage. Like, they were afraid of what he might say. <sighs> we have we reached a place in our society to where you're afraid to vote for Kurt Schilling because you don't want to hear his speech? Like, that's not the point of this thing. Like, that's why, and it, I, it pains me to say because I, I just adore the place. But the Hall of Fame has to have more credibility than that. It just does. Yeah. Like, the Hall of Fame needs to be complete, comprised of the people that most belong in it. And if we have writers that are afraid to check a box with the Kurt Schilling's name because of a meme he sent once, then those writers shouldn't be eligible to vote. I mean, look, you can make a good faith argument for a lot of guys not deserving to be in. But if you're uh, sort of selectively using the character clause against Kurt Schilling, you are missing the forest through the tree. Yeah, you're, you're, you're as a group, coming up with enough no votes to stop free speech. Have you ever, did you know a single person, one, that watched the Bloody Sock game and said to themselves, that guy's not a Hall of Famer? One? No. Because no. I don't know one. How about, how, about, how, about the, how about the 0-1 World Series? Did anybody oh. watch Game 7 against the Yankees? Did anybody watch that playoff run of the Diamondbacks and think, yeah, that guy's not a Hall of Famer? <laughs> not one person. No. Literally not a person. And then he went on to do incredible things in Boston. Like, you and I see this thing the same way. Like, you know, like we can talk about Don Mattingly and Fred McGriff and all these other – like, those conversa- uh, conversations and debates are fun. This one's kind of black and white for me. And I'll be really, really disappointed if Kurt Schilling uh, doesn't get in. And, look, this is a guy that blocks me on Twitter. This is a guy who I don't agree with on anything. Yeah. But Kurt Schilling belongs to the Hall of Fame, and of that there is no question. All right. You know, we're going to have to wait for Judge. I mean, everybody – and I, I agree – I, I, I don't think we're going to be in San Diego, and we will be yet. We'll be next to the Yes Network set. Uh, we saw it with Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole signed. The place went nuts. I don't think that happens. This thing's going to draw out. It then goes to – I personally, I think this is going to be all about the starting pitchers. I think one of them goes, whether it's DeGrom, Verlander, Rodon, one of them goes, and then here comes Bassett. Here comes – I mean, I think it'll be – the. I think we'll be talking a lot about starting pitchers. Position players – Shortstops, I don't know if one of them goes. We're hearing Willie Adamas now will be off the trading deadline, off the trading block. So take mm. him out of it. It's down to the four free agents. I believe you like Correa the best. Do you see any of them signing? And how do you rank them? Yeah, um, this one's pretty straightforward to me as well. I think I understand why we're doing the, the shortstop market the way we are. Like you know the big four, right? It's a, it's a good way to do TV, radio, whatever. Um, it's pretty clear to me. Correa and Turner are in a class uh, under themselves at the top of this group. Uh, then Xander Bogarts is in a, you know, tier below, not too far below. And then Dansby Swanson. Without, you know, no disrespect to Dansby Swanson, he's just not the player that, you know, either of those, any of those three guys are. He plays good defense. He plays every day. Um, I don't think there's any way he'll be able to continue to replicate the hitting season that he just had. I'll tell you why I like Carlos Correa the most. All right. First of all, and the most obvious data point when you're signing a, you know, player to a nine-figure contract is, how, well, how many prime years am I getting? He's the youngest of the whole group. He's going to play next season at 28 years old. We feel like he's ancient because he's been around for so long and played in all sorts of big games that we've been watching for so long. But he's going to play next year at 28 years old. You're getting a bunch of prime years in his case. Uh, secondly, you're going to let him stay at shortstop the longest amongst these guys. Over the last five years, he leads all shortstops in baseball with 50 defensive runs saved. It's good range, and it is a great arm. And if and when that range goes, he can slide over to third base, put on 10 pounds of muscle, and become Manny Machado. Uh, I'm, I'm confident in that. And that's why a, a lengthier deal for Correa is something that I would favor. And I also think, and this might surprise you a little bit, so much Trey Turner love out there and Bogarts to a lesser extent, but he's also he got the hitting profile that I like the most. In the case of Bogarts, like Bogarts has some really pronounced 
home road splits with his the way that he sort of tailored his swing for Fenway Park. Not that he's incapable of sort of shaking out of that. With a player like him who regularly outperforms his, his Babbitt, um, I think that he's been slightly a product of Fenway Park, and it will take him a little while to adjust. That concerns me about a player that's already 30 years old or going to get there and will be playing most of his uh, this contract after his prime. In the case of Trey Turner, who's been brilliant, like he's probably the best offensive player in this group right now, leads baseball and hits over the last three years, but 77 of those are infield hits. I'm not paying for his infield hits because those are going to go. Those aren't going to be there in three or four or five years, right? Like he's so speed reliant. The batting, like the batted ball profile. Hey, we got bigger good. bases now. We got bigger bases, yeah, but we're not going to 60 feet bases. So look, I I love Trey Turner like right now. Like if I was signing one of these guys to a three year, four year deal. He's probably number one on my list. He also doesn't have like the world's best defensive metrics at shortstop with all that speed, which suggests like there's just something a little bit amiss. There is some value in obviously him being able to play the outfield somewhere. I'm not sure how interested he is in doing that. So that being said, my list here to answer your question in an extremely roundabout way is Correa and then Swanson. But look, I mean, Correa had an expected Woba last year that ranked in the 93rd percentile, which means if you blend his contact quality and his plate discipline, like he's top of the food chain. That with plus-plus defense at shortstop for a young kid who obviously is analytically inclined, has played in big games, is used to getting booed, so he's not going to be afraid of uh, being in a big market. I think Carlos Correa is being vastly underrated in this in this crop of free agents, and Trey Turner in some sense, a little overinflated for my liking. All right, let's put our ownership hat on. Let's be billionaires. All right, mm. we had a general manager or a president of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski, wins us a World Series. We get rid of him. He reemerges, and then he gets the Phillies to the World Series. We hire the guy who's supposedly boy genius down in Tampa, and he's going to come in, and we're going to win, but we're going to spend less, and we're all going to be happy, and the investors are happy, and everybody's happy. Well, we haven't won diddly since Boy Wonder showed up. Mookie Betts, our best player, won a championship with the Los Angeles Dodgers. If you're ownership and you lose Bogarts, Peter Gammons is saying that no longer is he – which no Boris client is ever going to say no to any of the 30 teams. That's not how – Boris would take – he would take money from a team on Mars, for God's sakes. <laughs> He's saying no – they're never saying no to anybody if you're a Scott Boris client. But if they lose Xander Bogarts and your ownership, I mean, what what are you really thinking with Bloom? None of the Tampa so, stuff has come up and worked for you. Um, it's not obvious to me that the Boston Red Sox have any idea what they're doing right now. So th- this is my favorite Heimbloom stat. All right. So he's been there for three years. He's finished last place twice, which is as many times as the Yankees have finished in last place since 1913. <laughs> okay. So, so, so they're, they're, they're operating uh, from a position of uh, historical disadvantage. Um, let's connect the dots here and see if you can help me. So, so far, the Xander Bogarts situation beyond all recognition. And I think it's likely that he leaves based upon that. They have, to date, mangled the Rafael Bevers of it all. And every day that goes by that they don't sign him, he's going to cost them more money. It's not obvious to me that they're going to figure that out. Although I think they're speculating, they're, they're pushing stuff out there with all their writers that it will happen and a spring training deadline. I'll, look, I'll believe it when I, see it when I see how they value their own players, right? This is also the same guy that, at the trade deadline, traded for Tommy Pham, 
year, which made no sense. Traded for Eric Hosmer, who might well be the worst regular in baseball right now, and is blocking Tristan Casas, who is your best prospect who plays first base. And also, this is a person, as I'm just if I'm just gonna like you know list all the all the malfeasance here that thought Trevor Story was worth a nine-figure contract. Trevor Story can't even throw a baseball 80 miles an hour. So um, <laughs> when you add up all the things that Hein Bloom has done since uh, emerging at, uh, in that position, like it's not obvious to me they have any idea what they're doing. And like, that ALCS run looks like an awfully ble- uh, big fluke to me. Now, I do think that it's worth giving him, in some sense, the benefit of the doubt because the ownership might care a lot more about their soccer team, Liverpool, than they care about the Red Sox, knowing that they're going to fill that stadium no matter what. And even though the fan base is incensed right now, he might just be a puppet of ownership. And it's, you know, it's his job to come and cut costs and win as many baseball games as you can. But if, if, if High Bloom is actually this bad on, on his own merits, it would be a stunning rebuke, right? Because I don't think that he has gotten a thing right since he got there three years ago. I think Alex Cora saved him a couple of years ago in the postseason. But he hasn't put together good teams. And they're worse positioned than any of the five teams in their division by a long shot. I mean, they, were, they finished fifth this year with the Orioles in, 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 in a rebuild and with uh, Toronto and, and, and Tampa hardly spending anything. And even coming into the season, people weren't that high on the Yankees. Like, they're, in, uh, they're operating from a horrible position. I don't know how in the world they're going to get people out next year. And they might lose the, the, the face of their franchise, their shortstop, who hasn't done a thing wrong since he's been there for 10 years. Like, I don't have any idea what direction they're going in, frankly, neither do they. Uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I don't know how much longer he can keep his job. Uh, it's just been futility, and especially you get rid of Dombrowski and he's back in the World Series. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, the two big names are two old guys, right? It's DeGrom at 35, Verlander at 39. How do you see that shaking out? I would be – this might surprise you, but I would be way more inclined to give, say, a three-year deal to Justin Verlander than I would Jacob DeGrom. I mean, Jacob DeGrom is – I think poised to be the biggest waste of money amongst any of these high-priced free agents. I really I do. Love it. I mean, look, I he's brilliant. It. Like, listen, listen. Like, I'm not, I'm not a hot take uh, artist, but here's what I see. Right? <laughs> who, over the last year and a half, like since the All-Star break of last year, has gotten 193 outs. <laughs> Jason <laughs> has thrown 64 innings over the last year and a half. Um, he's 35 years old. He's gonna pitch next year at 35. Like, this is not a young person. Like, he's been around forever. But there's a decent amount of, like, wear and tear there, despite the fact that he's hardly pitched at all lately. That would really concern me. And, look, coming into this year, I said, like, this guy, when he's at his best, is the best pitcher I've seen with my own two eyes since Pedro Martinez in the late 90s. Like, Dick of the ground, like, throws sim games against Big Leaguer sitting 100 on the corners. He's completely unhittable. He's impossible. But he never pitches. Like, the guy literally never pitches. His arm's made of glass. He's going to end up uh, – some team's going to waste a lot of money on Jacob DeGrom. I'm just – I'm so leery of such a thing. And the only teams that should be willing to give him what he probably will uh, garner are teams that can afford or, or like absolve the risk. Like the Dodgers, for example, who like, if he winds up throwing 80 innings over the next three years can still win. Just like we saw with them with Trevor Bauer, like it was able, they were able to get over it. Right. But a team that like almost any other team right, that's going to rely on Jacob deGrom to get them, I don't know, f- to, to throw 500 innings over the next three years. You're not getting 500 innings from that guy. Jacob deGrom is a boutique piece. Like, he's a Christmas ornament. Meanwhile, Justin, uh, Justin Verlander is a freaking ox. Like, that guy just won the Cy Young. Like, a rehab year. Like, he just got cut open. And this guy has a new elbow now. His arm is fast, as fast as ever. Last year, Justin Verlander struck out 185 guys and allowed 151 base runners. It is a preposterous ratio. That's amazing. He's the best – like – like inning for inning. At 39. Verlander's the, best, 
at 39, coming off a of Tommy John. He went 18 and four with a 175. Like he's an absolute. Like he is a a freaking first ballot. Like to, calling him oh, yeah. like our version of Nolan Ryan is an is an insult to Justin Verlander. Candidly, he is an absolute stud who I'm confident is going to get to 300 wins and like 3,800 strikeouts. That guy is I, I look and I and I, I went to um to game uh game five of the World Series in Philly. Verlander pitch and I yelled four letter words at him for three hours from section 420 and I'm not proud of it but I'll tell you what that guy's the best pitcher of his generation and I think he's past Clayton Kershaw Jacob DeGrom and anyone else in that respect that guy has my unending respect given what he did this year I thought LA would be the fit for him uh obviously because he's got the house there and his wife supermodel and actress I thought that would be no question but then I heard our buddy CJ Nikowski from the Rangers say today that Max Scherzer hated pitching in L.A. because all they try and do is keep you from pitching. They don't want you to throw that much on your sides. They don't allow you to throw that much in games. And these guys want to throw, man. This is what they do. They're, they're starting I mean, pitchers. They This is what they love. They want to go out there and take the ball and compete. And L.A. does everything they can to keep you from doing that. Yeah, when, when Dave Roberts comes out, comes str- strutting out to the mound because for some reason he still has a job after like five and a third innings on the third game of the season when Verlander's throwing seventy nine pitches. Like, how is he going to add? Right? Oh. Like, how, how is how's that going to go? I, 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 the Dodgers get all sorts of things right. They've been historically good at uh, pitching over the last three years. That's not the place for Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander needs to go somewhere where they're going to let him rip, let him loose. Like that that guy, he, he's chasing history now, and I don't want them suppressing my innings. I've earned the equity. I've built up the equity. People tell uh, essentially tell them how many uh, pitches, how many innings I can go on a given night, in a given week. That that's where he is in his career. So, uh, like if Justin Verland, like I think he is worth forty, forty-five million dollars a year based on what we saw last year. There's no obvious reason to believe that he's going to deteriorate anytime soon. In fact, it's usually the year after uh, the first after Tommy John surgery where you thrive. He's going to be better next year. Like this guy right now could be even better, and that's an astonishing thing to say about a forty-something. Let's end on this because we know. This is the one place you can talk baseball that you don't have to go LeBron James. You don't have to go Tom Brady, Dallas Cowboys. You can talk baseball here. Um, So when you start thinking about the regular season, in other sports, you know, back in the day, you go 14-2, and 13-3 and in the NFL, but you lose after your bye week in the postseason. Nobody cared about your regular season. Nobody. Golden State Warriors, we lived it. Well, they won 73 games. They won 73 games. They lost to the – nobody cared. Baseball's been trying to hold on for our regular season. Are we now at a point after watching what the Yankees did, the Dodgers did, crapping out, that we now can look at all these old curmudgeons and say, stop telling me how great the regular season is. Get in and show me how great you are in the postseason. Yeah, I actually think there's a um, something of a, of a double standard when it comes to this stuff in baseball. Like a lot of this uh, conversation that we had and I heard this year when the Dodgers got Dodgers got bumped, right, and and, and the Braves got bumped. Like all these teams, like these you know uh, hypothetical super teams lost in the playoffs was like, oh, the playoff format is broken. Meanwhile, if Aaron Rodgers loses at home to the 49ers, it's like, oh, like Aaron Rodgers choked. Or if, uh, if the Suns blow this massive lead to the Mavericks, it's like, oh, Chris Paul turnovers. But in baseball, it's like, ah, the playoff format's off. No, <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like, there's a randomness to this stuff, right? There's a randomness to this stuff. Like baseball's regular season is like sort of once sacred and holy. I think that injecting the new playoff format has helped the sport a lot. Like my team went to the World Series exclusively this year because of that. Yep. I really like the new I really like the new playoff format. I really do. I think it's just 
uh, on balance good for baseball to have more really, really important games at the end of the year? Are we devaluing the regular season? Candidly, I don't think so because what we saw, I think in a, a perfect microcosm, was the Braves and the Mets essentially play a playoff series for that division, which was the reason why the Mets probably didn't advance in the playoffs. So I think you actually had it a, a jolted September a little bit because the division races mattered so much and getting those top two seeds were so important. I think this is something baseball has gotten right. I'm obviously really interested to see how all these like new changes come down the pike next year and how those affect the game. But I think we have to give baseball credit where it's due. Like I, the, the, new, the new playoff format was a big hit for me. Uh, I thought it really impacted the way the games were played in September. And I thought the best of three is the ideal format for baseball, which we do everything. Like We do everything in three-game series. So why not the first round of the playoffs? Or you can just tell the Dodgers beating up on the Rockies and the Diamondbacks isn't that big of a deal. Show up in yeah. the postseason. Yeah, at some point, And honestly, you hear a lot of whispers now like, we're going to count the Dodgers 2020 championship like it's legit. Like, are we, are we going to say, like, look, hot I mean, look, take, hot we, take. Look, if we're going to call the Lakers winning the bubble, you know, summer camp uh, and the heat getting there, like, you know, summer camp, like, are we going to pretend like the Dodgers ever won aside from that year? I, I, I don't I mean, look, I, I personally think it counts the same. And, you know, you saw Clayton Kershaw rush in from the bullpen and look to the skies and in a moment of great relief. And that was awesome. Um, but it's, it's been evidence any number of times that just because you had the best regular season team, there's a randomness to this thing that is so different. And until the Dodgers win one otherwise, like I'm going to be continuing to question their process in some sense. I think the Astros winning this year went a long way in quelling a lot of those questions because, you know, they won in 2017, of course, by cheating. Being able to get this one off their back, I think, went a long way. I think the Dodgers are next in line there. Most important thing, Christmas is coming. You've got your book. Can we buy the book and put it under the <coughs> Christmas tree for people? Uh, you can buy – so I'm working on a couple different things. My book with Mike Greenberg called Got Your Number, which is a chapter book, one through 100 we've identified, who uh, owns every number in sports. If you're a sports fan, you'll love it. If you're a baseball fan, there are plenty of chapters that will fit your fancy. I sent you and Cody the link previously. It's called Got Your Number. Uh, I am listed as a co-author uh, with Mike Greenberg, my uh, radio co-host, part, longtime partner, mentor, etc. And it's a book that you're going to love. Uh, I'm parenthetically on the side working on my own baseball book, sort of Hall of Fame type slant thingy. And you and I talked about that a bunch. Yeah. That's coming down the pike at a later date. I don't have any more formal or, or official news on that. But that's one that will be a little more uh, uh, in line with what your audience might be looking for. But in the meantime, I think you guys will really like Got Your Number. Me and Greeny put it together, and it was a lot of fun. When you come out with your baseball book, we're going to push this thing so hard, we're going to make you a New York Times bestseller. Oh, I'll, I'll throw that. Like, dude, that, that will be a that, – Yes. That's, a, that, that's what – first thing on the Twitter bio, right? New York Times bestseller. I'll get like the – I, what I need to do is get like the newspaper, like and cut it out, like highlight the number nineteen on the chart, like yeah. between like two Malcolm Gladwell books. It's like Hembakitis, like probably like my last name misspelled, like some baseball, you know, diamond <laughs> legends, whatever. So I uh, I greatly await and anticipate the day. You guys are the best. You've been there for me every step of the way, and great support. And if we don't talk before the uh, the holidays come and go, uh, I'll look forward to catching up after the after the winter meetings and such. All right, buddy, you be well. Kiss those kids. Later, boys. You got it. The great Paul Hemikides from ESPN. And then now we switch cameras? Or you can't do that? I have to zoom it back out. That I'll explain later why that one didn't work. Why, why, which one didn't work? Oh, it didn't. Oh, we were not doing our new fancy thing yet? No, it's because that, that iPad's not connected to the computer directly. So it's okay. You got to get this down. We're trying to be fancy. You either got to get in line. You got to make it happen. We're trying to be fancy. Oh, boy, what you're talking about just popped up. San Jose Mercury News. Several Stanford players set to transfer 
as Stanford searches for a new head coach. And you know what I say to that? What do you say to that? Um, well, people are leaving because they, they committed to play for David Shaw. So that's probably one that, of the reasons. That, 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 that's what you say? Also, that they, they're gonna get, they can get the NIL deal somewhere else. The, night, the that, name, that, this image, and likeness. That's what you say? Yeah. You know what I say? Good riddance, you stink anyway. Oh, they were three. What are they? Three and nine this yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, oh, bad players are transferring. You know what the new head coach is going to say? Bye bye, bye bye. What did Lincoln Riley do to a bunch of guys at USC? What did he do? Let him go. Uh huh. Bye bye. He brought his quarterback in from where? Uh, Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, he brought in his guy. He didn't see. He didn't say. Yeah, these guys, David. Because I will tell you what, problems. There was a lot going on at Stanford with David Shaw, and recruiting was a problem. So. The, the guys that have been the problem are leaving. Bye-bye. I can tell you that right now. Uh, we've got to go over some of the things that he talked about. Very interesting as we head to the winter meetings. Is he right on the shortstops? Is he right? Because the shortstops are going to take up a lot of our time when we're down in San Diego. Is he right? We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Oakland Athletics Spring Training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The winter meetings start Monday and A's Cast has you covered. Join Chris Townsend as A's Cast Live will be broadcasting from the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego. Stay up to date on all things green and gold and around Major League Baseball with all major signings. And hear from the biggest names in the sport, such as David Forst, Mark Kotze, Terry Francona, Mad Dog Chris Russo, Sarah Langs, and more. Coverage starts Monday at 1 p.m. on A's Cast. And you can watch the show live. Visit youtube.com slash athletics or on Twitter at athleticscast24. 
Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, we haven't mentioned a lot about the A's because all the talk right now nationally is about Sean Murphy and everybody's interested in Sean Murphy. I will be very interested in the maneuvering Maybe not, probably doesn't happen at the winter meetings. But there are so many names out there of players that look and smell like Oakland A's. Like <laughs> yesterday, I was watching MLB Network, as I do every day. My wife my wife is actually, like, wants to put a band, a ban on, on how, talk about free speech, she wants to ban, like, how many days out of the year I can watch MLB Network. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, the off season is actually more important than the regular season, which is not true. But I say that to her, and she's like, "Well, why is it? Why do we have to do it year round? There's not something going on. It, it, there's something going on year round. There's always something going on." So they had the ticker going, like we have below right now that you see. They had the ticker going for free agents, and I'm texting Cody because. Uh, I was, I don't know what I was reading yesterday. I'm always looking at something. But Franklin Barreto has signed a minor league deal with the Nationals. I went, my God, Franklin Barreto. And I immediately texted, I texted you that. Oh, and your boy, Matthew Boyd, your favorite pitcher. Back in Detroit, baby. 10 mil. I'll never understand that, that the love for him. He was good for the uh, Mariners last year in relief. By the way, what do you mean he was good for them? In the in the five games he pitched in, he pitched like thirteen innings. Solid, solid thirteen innings. He's like, he helped them get. He was why they got to the postseason. He's like point zero 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 percent of their entire season. You're saying he pitched well. Move over, J Rod. It was because Matthew Boyd. Here's my. Pre- I want to show you how ridiculous <laughs> some of these statements are by people, and especially someone like Cody. Oh, uh, he pitched well for that. I'm gonna say he pitched. Exa- I'm guessing exactly thirteen innings. Now, if he goes 13.2, you win. Actually, I'm going to say it's 13. I think I put it on the uh, – he pitched in 10 games. I didn't put the, the amount of innings. So. I'm saying out of all the innings, we figured out it's like 4,300 and something else you got to get in a regular season. 13.1. I'm off by an out. That's how insignificant. But – one three five ERA. <laughs> Cody has always said – why is this guy so talked about? He stinks. He's making another $10 million. How? Give me his career. You don't care about record, but I do. Uh, what, in this case, we can use this argument. Oh, now you because oh, <laughs> it fits your narrative. What's his career record? 39 and 62. What's his career ERA? 4.90. What's his career ERA plus? Uh, one. Oh, ERA plus. One. Uh, 91. He's oh, below yeah. league average. I was about to say one. Okay. How much money has he made? And count the ten million he's getting from Detroit. Uh, hold on, scrolling down. He's made up to date. Uh, we'll include about almost thirty-one million. Thirty-one million dollars to be terrible and to be nothing but left-handed, and they believe you're going to be good. You want me to give you his best year? Isn't that amazing? His- what what a game this is that you got thirty. 30- million i was having this conversation uh over with some golf guys who are like 
hate live golf, right? And it's, it's, it's so again, it's only fifty four holes, and they're guaranteed money. I'm like, well, every sport's guaranteed money, but golf. You got a bunch of independent contractors that in tennis. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, in baseball, you got you got the top guy in golf this year was Scotty Scheffler. I think he made twelve million dollars. He was the number one player. Made twelve. And the next guy was Cameron Smith. I think he made like nine. Matthew Boyd would be the second highest paid player on the PGA Tour. And he stinks. And it's a one-year deal. He's the second. So you wonder why the Live Tour is starting to come. I mean, it's, it's one of the only sports where I'm like, hey, you realize baseball players, um, they don't have to pay for their own flights. They don't have to pay for their own hotels, doctors, insurance, therapy, Every we supply every NFL basketball hockey supplies everything for the players. You know what the PGA Tour supplies for players? None. Zero. A place to maybe make money. Scotty won the uh, Masters, right? Correct. And Cam won the U.S. Open. British Open and yeah, no, he didn't win the U.S. Open. He won the British Open. Okay. Um, Fitzpatrick won the U.S. Open. That's correct. But think about the that. Brit won the U.S. Think Open. Think about it. Matthew Boyd, stinker. I believe he'd be right with Cameron Smith, number two on the PGA Tour money list. Matthew Boyd. Here, here's his best year. We'll go by innings pitched. 2019 at age 28, he went 9-12 and 12 with a 4-5-6 ERA and 32 starts. 185 in the third innings. He did strike out 238 batters. Okay? Who cares? He allowed 39 home runs, the most in baseball. The, the one thing you could say he gave you innings. The year before, somebody's got to give you innings. The year before, he pitched 170 in the third. And that was his career high going it before the 185. He went nine and 13 with a 4.39. So he's a a slightly below average starter by his numbers. No, he's a below average. Well, his ERA plus at those two years was over 100. But but for his 102 career, and 104, he is below average. I mean, when you have an ERA he's close, made 30 million dollars being below average. A 490 ERA, if you want to do ERA plus 91, that's nine points below. He's below mar- average. average. He's getting 10 million. And Franklin Barreto, he's only 27 years old. Remember Franklin Barreto? How often we had to talk about the Donaldson trade. Franklin Barreto, he's the re. Hey, once they threw in, because Brett Laurie wasn't it. Uh, Sean Nolan. Kent, Kent, Kendall Graveman. Sean Nolan. Sean Nolan. Nope. Once they threw in Barreto, it was a done deal. And Graveman's the only one still pitching. <laughs> and all the time we had to talk about the future's Barreto, the future's Barreto. The, finally, the A's cut ties with Barreto. Who would he trade to Anaheim for? Uh, what's his name? Second baseman. Listella? Tommy Listella. So you get Tommy Listella. He goes to Anaheim. Guess what? They play the same dance. They play the exact same dance. <laughs> Excuse me, cold. They played, the Angels played the exact same dance with Franklin Barreto. Hey, look at the age. Look at the talent. Look who he could be. Gave him a little taste of the big leagues. Look what happened. Here he is. So it's now been Toronto. Oakland, Anaheim. Has there been anybody else since? Was it on, wasn't he with the Astros? I want to say he played for the – I don't know if he made the majors, but he's playing for the Astros system, I'm pretty sure. He hasn't been in the majors since 2020. Let me just find out his team. Okay, if you go Astro now Nationals, he's 27 years old. He's been in how many franchises? And remember everybody said about how great this guy was going to be? It's just another stuff telling me about how good your prospects are. 
Stop telling me. Astros last year. He signed a minor league contract with the Astros. He was rele- he signed on March 22nd was released in August. You could, you would have thought, even though he's right-handed, you would have thought he was the next Joe Morgan, the way they talked about him at second base. Uh, do you want to know his career stats? Negative 1.0 war, 228 bats, nine home runs, 100 or 175 batting average, uh, 47 OPS plus. Well, 100s league average, he was at 47. Toronto, Oakland. Anaheim, Houston, Houston, Washington. It's five organizations and you're 27 years old. And yet we were acting like this guy, this guy, this guy is going to be prolific. This guy is going to be the longtime answer for the A's at second base. Five different organizations and he's 27 years old. If we think the light is going to go on at some point and we're going to be like, Oh, he finally made the All-Star game. Oh, he's finally one of the best players. Eh, I don't know. Um, Let's play the audio because obviously – so back to the A's. I don't know if anything happens, but watching that ticker yesterday, I sent – the Padres free agents came up, and I just went, oh, my God. Well, they all, yeah. Sean Mania, Jerickson Profar, Drury. I went – just the Padre free agents alone sound like Oakland A's. Bringing a couple guys back, Drury would fit. I mean, there's going to be there'll be, I believe. I don't. I think Bellinger is not fallen enough yet to take the one year flyer with the A's. There's still going to be someone dumb enough to think he's young enough. We can fix him. It smells like a Rocky. Nah, I think he like could be like Blue Jays or Mets. Or I, I was thinking like of a yeah, okay, so Blue Jays, yeah. I was thinking of like Colorado because he can go there and hit two forty, but hit thirty hundred. Nemo leaves. One of the Mets bring him in to give him an opportunity at center. Yeah, that could happen. I'm looking at a ballpark where he can hit a lot of home runs, and that that'll mask his bad batting average. I don't know. I. I I, I he you know what maybe he likes the school system maybe 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 2024 he more sounds like an Oakland A let him go <laughs> fail somewhere else then come to us in 2024 and then it's a perfect fit for Cody Bellinger but the, I I got a feeling there we're not going to have as much of a hodgepodge as last year I yeah I I have a feeling we're gonna we're going to we're gonna have a little more. There'll be one-year deals. It will be, but it'll be a little bit better. It's going to be a little bit better. They're, they're, you're able to fish out of the pond that was closed last year because of, and I know I've talked about that before, but, you know, the A's were kind of cut off. You know, that pond that you normally fish in late in the year that's got some good fish in it was cut off because of the lockout. So all of a sudden, you know, lockout ends. All right, we got to start playing. It's just not time. So that that pond that the A's normally fish in is back. I want to play from MLB Network, our man, John Morosi, because the talk is still going to be Aaron Judge. And there was a report yesterday. I'm not buying it, the eight years, $300 million. And the reason why I'm not buying it is because it was just part of the article. So it wasn't the article. Right? Like, if you know for fact, Jeff Passan knew for a fact that it was eight years, $300 million, it would have been the first line in the article. 
Yeah. It was reported, and he said neighborhood of eight years, $300 million. And it could increase depending on whatever offer. What does neighborhood mean? Is that two ninety five on my block, around my block, two blocks down? I mean, my neighborhood's pretty big. I live in San Jose. I live in the 10th largest city in the country. There's over a million people here in San Jose. Are you considered my neighbor? You live in uh, Japantown. Yeah, I'm like 10 minutes from you. Baby. Are you my neighbor? No. Mr. Rogers, I'm not. I mean, let, I, I'm going to – what is the definition? I love to go to definitions. Don't make me bring up vindictive again about Pete Rose and baseball. A person living near – or next door to the speaker or person referred to. So, yeah, neighborhood could be three blocks down. Well, what's three blocks down from eight years, three hundred million? Eight years, two ninety. I would say like two eight years, two ninety three. Two eighty five. Yeah, probably in there between that two two what two eighty five and three hundred. Because let me tell you something: if he knew for a fact it was eight years, three hundred, it would have led the article. Yeah, I don't want it would have been Aaron Judge has been offered, not in the neighborhood, has been offered eight. So we got Jay Jaffe coming on. How long is this? A minute, a little under two minutes. All right, for you, for you Giant fans, supposedly Judge still in play. Here's John Morosi. The Giants are a very realistic possibility. Uh, this is not a Yankees at 70% likelihood and the Giants at 30. I think that we are very close to 50-50 where if the Giants really step up and get that AAV up closer to $40 million a year, there's a legitimate chance that Aaron Judge becomes a San Francisco Giant. And a couple more notes on the discussion that you just had. Number one, let's take a step back and realize the offer that the Yankees made to Judge, total guarantee back at the end of spring training around opening day, was just less than $220 million. So Aaron Judge already, based on the numbers that Jeff has reported, and I believe that they are correct, he has already made himself guaranteed at least $80 million additional dollars. Let's think about that for a minute. He has made himself, by turning that offer down, an additional $80 million at least, and that number could go up. The other part here, and Harold referenced this a moment ago, I really believe that Aaron Judge won't sign with the Giants unless there is a credible and actionable plan to put a winning team around him that can get to the postseason. I don't think Aaron Judge will take on all that pressure and expectation of going across the country if he looks at the roster and says, we're going to finish 500 and behind the Dodgers and Padres. They're going to have to, whether it's Kodai Senga or one of the infielders, do something that validates Judge's faith, and that is where I think Farhan Zaidi has to come up with a comprehensive plan in the next week to 10 days that shows Aaron Judge, you're not just going to come here and make a lot of money, you're going to come here and win and make the playoffs in 2023. Well, uh, you got to do more than show a plan. You got to go sign some people. And that's why people say Judge may not sign until towards Christmas. So the Giants better go out and sign some people. Can they sign Correa and Judge? Yeah. They're going to have to sign some people. You just can't say, this is what we want to do, and then he signs up, and then all of a sudden he goes from, as you heard Paul Hembikiti say, the, the, the only time the Yankees have finished in last place, back-to-back years or whatever, is 19-something? Yeah. Like 1913 or something like that? I mean, yeah. he's been he's been in the playoffs every year, and all of a sudden you're going to come out west and get your you-know-what handed to you by the 
by the Dodgers and the Padres, that's a bad look. And just so you can say, Rich Aurelio was my favorite player. And I love Richie. Richie, I've known Rich Aurelio for a long time. I see Richie when I do uh, A's TV uh, up there, NBC in San Francisco. But, I mean, seriously, been, just because of Rich Aurelia, I mean, you're going to need more than that. Uh, Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs. Boy, I can't wait what he has to say about the Hall of Fame vote on Sunday, day one of the winter meetings. You get three votes. Who does he think deserves them? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, here next, right here on A's Cast Live. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Camp Stadium. Shantoni, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. The winter meetings start Monday, and A's cast has you covered. Join Chris Townsend as A's Cast Live will be broadcasting from the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego. Stay up to date on all things green and gold and around Major League Baseball with all major signings. And hear from the biggest names in the sport, such as David Force, Mark Kotze, Terry Francona, Mad Dog Chris Russo, Sarah Langs, and more. Coverage starts Monday at 1 p.m. on A's Cast. And you can watch the show live. Visit youtube.com slash athletics or on Twitter at AthleticsCast24. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. We're going to be calling Jay Jaffe, senior writer, fan graphs. He's got a great picture of him and Gaylord Perry. And they both got... See, he has his St. Louis hat on. Gaylord's got the uh, Giants St. Patrick's Day hat on. And he's got the Giants uh, Hawaiian shirt going. It's actually a pretty good look. 
And Jay, obviously, an unbelievable job with fan graphs and talking about the uh, Hall of Fame, which is going to be it's going to be the number one thing that we're going to be talking about when we get to San Diego, no question. And do we have Jay? Jay, welcome back to Ace Cast Live. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How you doing? We're doing great. I was just talking about on your Twitter feed uh, the picture with you and uh, Gaylord Par- Gaylord Perry, who just passed the great Hall of Famer, obviously start out here for so many years i actually grew up in san diego and when i was a little kid when he won the cy young in 78 for the padres and those old brown and yellow uniforms i remember even though i was a little kid i remember he was a big deal right and just uh sad sad to see him go our our beloved ray fossey was such good friends with him from their time playing in cleveland uh, we we truly lost one of the greats, and I hope people really understand he really was one of the greats of all time. He was, and he was like, you know, for for a young fan, and I'm sure you probably you know felt this as well. I mean, like just you know the this very colorful player, kind of irreverent, um, you know, uh, one of a kind. Because I mean, like the spitball had been outlawed 60 years earlier and he was only 40 years old. And yet he seemed like he was just such a throwback, um, you know, and to watch him, to watch his antics on the mound and the, the, yeah. the, um, the way he got in hitters heads uh, with like the idea that he was always loading up the ball. When in, in reality, it was probably not that often at all um, was, was pretty remarkable, but you know, it's like, you know, he, he, he was so good. He's so durable, stuck around for so long. You know, the, he and Steve Carlton and uh, um, Tom Seaver, they all passed Walter Johnson's seemingly unassailable strikeout record uh, in short order and, and just a really impressive uh, career. And I, I, I watched a lot of him when he was with the Mariners. My grandparents lived in Walla Walla, Washington. Uh, and so um, there were a couple summers we stayed there that I feel like we got to see, uh, you know, several starts of his and uh, just always fun to watch. And it's tough to tell the the younger audience now, but back in the day, being on late night television when we didn't have cable, Johnny Carson was the king yeah. of television, and this guy was a character. He was he's he had the southern draw. He used to show up on the late night talk shows. That's how big a deal he was. Yeah, he he was uh, he was definitely somebody who you know had kind of had broken out of the broken out of the the niche. Uh, to become a wider cultural phenomenon, um, but the performances I, I think always get you know always get overlooked just how how good he was too. I mean I have him 18th in my uh, my my updated pitcher Jaws uh, system. I mean a top 20 pitcher, just so yeah. great, um, and uh, uh, you know just so many colorful stories. It was an honor to meet him and just chat with him for a few minutes and tell him how much fun I had watching him. He was he was tickled by that. I mean, we all love the Baseball Hall of Fame. I've been there three times. Uh, Cooperstown is such a ma- magical place. Just how cool is it for you personally, your jaws and how people look at the Hall of Fame and they look at your work, that you're kind of – you're affiliated with that. And when people are judging Hall of Famers, they go to your model. Just how cool – I've never asked you this, but how cool is that? It's awesome, really. I mean, I, I've I, – you know um... – there was, uh, let's see, when Minnie Minoso got in a, a year ago, I mean, I, I got invited to the Minoso party 
at, at the induction weekend last year. And, 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 you know, they told me that, wow, you know, it, it meant a lot to you that you, you know, g- you know, worked hard to give many, uh, you know, an airing with your system and, 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 and your work. And that just that meant a lot. And I, you know, I go in there and I look at the plaques of half a dozen guys who, you know, had slow starting candidacies and got attention in part because of jaws and because of the platform I had first at sports illustrated and, and then at Fangraphs, Tim Raines, Larry Walker, um, Edgar Martinez, uh, Mike Messina, um, Alan Trammell, you know, these come from behind stories. I, I know that, that my work helps help put them there um, and give them their due. And, and it's gratifying to see, you know, a Scott Rowland getting traction or Todd Helton or whatever, and uh, uh, know that that's, you know, that's, that's part of the reason that uh, more voters are paying attention. Ah, man, that would give me chills. Cause when you go into that plaque room, it is so sacred just the way the lighting is and the way the lightings are on the plaque. And you know, that's the most special room in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And for you to be able to go in there and say, I helped some of these guys get these plaques. Wow, that is big. So obviously on Sunday, we're going to find out, you know, they're going to have the show on MLB Network, 5 o'clock, this group that's now up in, for, in front of this 16-person uh, committee. Each person gets three votes. We're going to arrive Monday morning. Our show will be at 1 o'clock. I know that's going to be the number one thing when we get to San Diego that everybody's going to be talking about the winter meeting. So do you think anybody gets in on Sunday? And if you had the three votes, who would you vote for? Boy, um, the, you're talking about two very different sets here. Yeah. I think that the Fred McGriff is Fred McGriff is going to be um, the most likely honoree. I would put his chances of getting in at about eighty um, percent. You know, I think that there's he's not a guy who my system really likes a lot. He's kind of one-dimensional, never anything close to an MVP, um, but uh, felt, came very close to 500 home runs. <clears throat> And had you know, and, and would have gotten there if not for the '94 player strike. Um, had a clean reputation as far as PEDs, generally well-regarded guy within the game. Uh, you know, I, I I don't have it in me to to rail against it as an improper selection, but you know, I think that his candidacy was always made for made for this committee, which doesn't uh, uh, rely as much on the advanced stats and kind of goes by traditional accomplishments. I think he gets in. I think if there's a second, it's most likely to be Kurt Schilling. Um, it's tough to get two people in <clears throat> with, uh, with this format though. Um, showing again, you know, a guy who I, I think after alienating so many voters, uh, on the, you know, among the writers, um, probably has a better chance here, uh, because these guys aren't, you know, weren't, weren't exposed to all of his just noxious behavior, uh, to the same degree that those of us who are terminally online, because it's part of our jobs, uh, you know, we're, we're aware of. So um, I think he's probably the second guy who will get in. Uh, if I had a ballot, uh, I would be voting for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Um, you know, I, I draw a line between what happened before the testing era in 2004 began and what happened after, um, you know, and what Bonds and Clemens did. I don't condone it, but I think it, it belongs to, a, you know, the Wild West era when nobody was enforcing anything and, you know, the, and, and owners were looking the other way. Um, if I had a third vote, I'm not sure who I would choose. I think, um, you know, the other candidates, uh, Don Mattingly and Dale Murphy, 
uh, don't really come up uh, very well in Jaws. Likewise, Albert Bell. Um, I do have a, a, a bit of an affection for Murphy, and, and his decency stands out in this kind of rogues gallery of, uh, of, of miscreants. And I think if I had a third vote, I would probably throw one his way, even though I think his his case is a little short. I, I think he also he just if you're ever going to invoke the character clause as a as a as a positive for a guy who's who's a little short, he's the guy I'd use it on. That's interesting that you say that because the character clause we're always talking about guys who are bad guys, and we're never talking yep. enough about how guys are good guys and great for the game. Because I, I mean, how could you not say Dale Murphy? or Don Mattingly and the fan bases and how, especially Don Mattingly was a national star. How, I mean, these guys were good for the game. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I put Murphy ahead of, ahead of Mattingly because he played the tougher position and, and had the two MVP awards as opposed to the one. Um, but yeah, I mean, those guys were, you know, those guys were really good for the game and, and, you know, they couldn't hold their, their bodies couldn't hold out because of the injuries and their numbers just really aren't there. Uh, you know, I mean, there are there are better players uh, than them outside the hall. There are worse players than them inside the hall. That's not a, that's not a reason to induct them. But you know, after Harold Baines got in a few years ago, uh, I'm like, why are we why are we nitpicking Dale Murphy? Uh, and Fred, I think Fred McGriff was the other name I used. If, you know, I would much rather see a guy like Murphy who was who was um, you know I think genuinely one of the top five players in the game uh, during that 1980. 1980- one to 87 stretch um, get in than, you know, a, a lesser guy who was just, you know, more of a compiler and didn't really have the career numbers that, that, that jumped off the page. God, if we don't have Fred McGriff, we don't have one of the great cable television commercials of all mm-hmm. time, the Tom Amanskis. I mean, without Fred McGriff, we don't have that. Yeah, you want a scandal? Fred, Fred McGriff has never actually seen the commercial. I know. It's one of the best stories ever. And they played that on ESPN over and over and over again. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know how he gets out of watching late night TV, man. <laughs> <laughs> who among us hasn't who among us hasn't been up at one AM seeing that video at some point or another? It's like, okay. You see it a second time, it's like it's probably time to go to bed. <laughs> All right. So when you look at Jaws, who right now rates the best that's not in the hall of fame well bonds and clemens that they're you know kind of a separate category yeah. because they're not being kept out based on their performance um you know among the current candidates uh scott scott Rowland is is really um you know the guy who i think is 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 the must um and, you know, fortunately, he's trending towards election. Another guy started at like 10.2%, but he's trending towards election. Uh, he has the, um, let's see, where is he in the ranking? He's, thir- he's got the third highest jaws of anybody on the ballot behind Alex Rodriguez and Carlos Beltran. Um, I haven't quite figured out what to do with Beltran yet. I wrote the profile for it, uh, uh, but we're going to hold it because it needs some editorial uh, TLC. Um, but but Roland is, is very close to Beltran and his co- candidacy is so much less complicated. Um, so he's my number one guy on this year's ballot. Um, probably the only guy who has a realistic shot at getting to 75% this year, but I would, would say it's something of a coin toss because he's got a lot of ground to make up uh, 63% last year. Um, you know, uh, veteran era committee guys, uh, you know, uh, outside of this year's group, uh, Dick Allen is, is, is number one for me. 
Um, I'd like to see Lou Whitaker and, and Dwight Evans and, and Bobby Gritch in there too. But uh, all those guys were, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have to battle for ballot. Some of them, some of them were, are, belong to the earlier era. Some of them were just left out of this process. Evans and Whitaker should have been on this ballot. Um, you know, Dick Allen, I'm hopeful in two years he gets a shot. Uh, again, just a tragedy that, that that he's not in already. Beltron's so interesting because you know we've had we've had the PED guys and we've had gambling with Pete Rose and you you were either for or against these guys. Beltron brings in the whole new thing with the cheating scandal and banging on the drums and never got to manage the Mets. I mean, if Beltron didn't have all that and you just looked at his numbers in his career, would you say yes, he should be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he's 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 uh, ninth in Jaws, eighth in career war among center fielders. Um, there are only six guys who have two thousand seven two thousand five hundred hits, three hundred steals, and three hundred home runs. Um, Bonds and Mays and A Rod are three of them. Um, Beltran and Andre Dawson, whose whose counting stats are extremely similar to Beltran's. Um, you know, are, are the other two, and then Steve Finley, who's definitely a cup, a, a, a tier below uh, those guys. Um, but yeah, I, you know, on the numbers, Carlos Beltran's a Hall of Famer. It's it's how do we grapple with his central role in um, the Astros science dealing? And I I, I don't know. Um, it's you know, it troubles me. At the same time, should this be a capital offense for a guy's Hall of Fame case? I, I don't think so. Um, so I'm kind of leaning towards I would leave him off my ballot this year and reconsider next year and, you know, not ruling him out for, for, for future voting. Um, I worry that, that enough people think like that. He could he could fall off the ballot entirely, though. Yeah, it, this one's going to be real interesting. Uh, winter meetings starting on Sunday. We'll be there Monday, Wednesday and Friday. What are your expectations? Do you, do you think we see some big signings? Yeah, I think we'll see some big signings. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, uh, if the judge Aaron the Aaron Judge pursuit ends by the end of the winter meetings. Um, hopefully, not while I'm in the air on Wednesday because I have to I have to write that up for Fangraphs. Um, <laughs> can we do everything and, by Tuesday? <laughs> yeah, can we get a, Can we get this stuff done by Tuesday? Yeah. Um, and then uh, I would. It wouldn't be surprised to me if, if the starting pitcher dominoes start to fall to Grom back to the Mets, Justin Verlander to somewhere. Um, you know, I mean, I think not necessarily, you know, there, there may, there may be other destinations for DeGrom or, or Verlander than back to their respective teams. It sounds like the Dodgers uh, are, are interested. It sounds like the, you know, in, in Verlander, it sounds like the Yankees are, are interested in, in Verlander. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some movement here. Um, Carlos Rodon also, uh, you know, in the mix, uh, you know, among the, among the bigger spending teams. So um, I think we'll see some of those guys uh, uh, find uh, resolution here in the next few days. And we'll end on this. Uh, obviously everybody's talking about judge judge stay on the East coast or does he come out West to us? I, I still think he stays in New York because I think New York can, New York can take a look at whatever, you know, whatever anybody else offers him and say, fine, you know, we'll, we'll give you that and, and, you know, 10 million more or something like that. And, you know, do you want, like he said, he wanted to be a Yankee for life. Does, you know, does he, if he does go make it happen. Um, 
you know, if he wants to go back to, you know, back home, he can't fight that either. I mean, that's a perfectly understandable and valid impulse, but I think the Yankees are better set up to win over the next few years than, uh, than the Giants are. And if that plays into his thinking, and if he really does want to be here, he'll be here. Uh, are you going to be in San Diego for the, for the winter meetings? I will. Yep, I'll be there from uh, Sunday to Wednesday. Well, great stuff as always. We appreciate the time, and we'll see you in San Diego. Finally meet face-to-face. Yeah, sure. Come come find me or give me, shoot me a text, and we'll, uh, we'll meet up. Great stuff. We'll see, you down, we'll see you down south. Okay, take care. The great Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs, and his Jaws is referenced by everybody. It's really a... Really a cool deal. When I say by us out west, I'm just not saying San Francisco. Right? I mean, out west. Could be, could be L.A. Could, could be, be Seattle. LA. Arizona. Well, I don't know if I go that far. You're telling me you don't think Tory can get Aaron Judge to come out? I don't think Bob Melvin can get him out. But are you, would you be 100% shocked if all of a sudden he signed with the Dodgers? Not at all. No, I would not be. It's on Linden's not as close to uh, LA as it is to San Francisco. But you want you want stardom, you want money, you want the one place that you can actually get juice like you can in New York. I mean, remember when you star in LA, there's a lot of perks of being a star in LA. Just not like I'm a really good baseball player all-star. Like, if you star in L.A., Lakers, Wayne Gretzky did it, multiple Lakers have done it, multiple Dodgers. There's a reason why Mike Piazza ended up on Baywatch, right? wasn't for his time with the Florida Marlins. He was on Baywatch? (laughs) Mike Piazza was swinging a bat on Baywatch. You get on television shows, you get in movies. It's L.A., man. So I, I I will never be shocked if a player ever in the end goes, well, the Dodgers swept me off my feet. So while Jay was on, I looked at his draws rankings. And uh, can you take a guess how many of the guys in his top 23 are in the Hall of Fame for starting pitchers? Top 23 starting pitchers according all time? to – All time? according to Jaws. That are active or not active? Um, there's, there's, a couple, there's one guy that's active. It's pretty fairly simple who it is. Well, Verlander, right? Yeah, he's 20th with a Jaws rating of, let's see, his Jaws is 64. So this has got to be a trick question because I would say they're all in the Hall of Fame. Uh, cur- incorrect, they're not. The number three guy is not in the Hall of Fame. That'd be the great Roger Clemens. Why do you do that? that that's starting to drive me nuts. What? Obviously, Roger Clemens is a Hall of Famer. So you can't say, well, who's not in? I'm well, thinking an actual legit, this guy's not, we know why Clemens and Bonds are not in. We need to stop this. The number 22 guy is Kurt Schilling. There you go. You know how many times everybody's done that now where they go, you know who's not in, and then you're actually trying to think, oh, God, who's not in? Bonds. <laughs> uh, we know, but we know Pete Rose and Bonds and Clemens are not in. Let, let me give you who a couple guys below Schilling in the Jaws rankings, according to Jay Jaffe. Uh, that are in the Hall of Fame. There's Kershaw and Granke who are not in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, Tom Glavin. Well, how about this? What if Granke goes into the Hall of Fame? He, and, he, and, 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 and Schilling's not. It's, it's very uh, 
I don't know. That's not. That's a bad yeah. look. Yeah. That's a bad look, man. I get it. He he said so. I don't follow him on Twitter. I I I'm not a shilling guy. I'm not a shilling. I mean, I I don't have a day. I don't have a Kurt Schilling jersey. I'm just telling you. I'm a baseball guy. Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer. You don't like his politics. You don't like some of his antics. You don't like that he wasn't the nicest guy in the world. I don't care. He's a Hall of Famer. How is – you're starting to weaken the credibility of the museum by not putting the best players in. Just because you're soft and you don't like – I can't believe he said this. I Who cares? Get your ass off Twitter. You know what? Voters should be allowed to vote because of what they see on Twitter. How about that for your moral clause? You can't make decisions off who's a Hall of Famer or not based off what you see on Twitter. And then, I mean, how many dudes are you taking out of the Baseball Hall of Fame if if they played in the Twitter era? Ty Cobb's coming off. No, I mean, sure. you got all these dudes you'd be coming off. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, so here, let me give you the list of a couple guys. Uh, by the way, Granke, quietly 223 wins. He's only 20 behind Verlander. I mean, he's not going to pass Verlander, but Granke, good war, too. Granke 76.5. He's only essentially one war behind Justin Verlander. So, Tom Tom Glavin, Nolan Ryan. Wait, who's who's they're behind who? These are all guys that are behind Schilling that are in the Hall of Fame. Oh my God. Glavin, Nolan Ryan, Roy Halliday. Oh my god. Let me see. I'm, I'm just gonna keep going. Jim Palmer, John Smoltz, John Don Drysdale, Juan Marichal, Bob Feller. I can keep going, but you get the gist. Well, I you're gonna need to save all this, and we're gonna have to write down everything that 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 Himbo said, like three hundred three hundred strikeouts three three different times in the National League, only Koufax, Randy Johnson, and him. So like, I could see Susan not voting for him, and go, we're gonna lay all this out. That's not a Hall of Famer, because basically what the Hall of Fame needs to find out is, okay, we've got a problem if the morals clause is just we don't like guys. And especially if we don't like them for politics. That, that And that's a major thing going on in our country right now, is this great divide in, in politics. This is a museum in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know? I mean, if, if I have to belong to a certain party and have a certain belief to get in the Baseball Hall of Fame, we got a problem. We got a problem. I just... I, I just... And I... And Jay, I mean, Jay kind of crapped on McGriff. I'm like, really? Fred McGriff was a baller back in the day. I'm, I'm looking to see where McGriff. Okay, here's a, here's a good example. First baseman, Jaws leaders. These are guys below a guy I'm going to give you. Willie McCovey, Eddie Murray. Let's see. Okay, John, uh, Her- Harmon Killebrew. Joe, oh, Joe Torrey won as a manager. David Ortiz. Orlando Cepeda all have a lower Jaws rating than Rafael Palmero. Well, Palmero's the PED, so that's – we know why those guys aren't in. But I wanted to Where's look – Where's Fred McGriff? Oh, okay, yeah, let me let me look up McGriff. How many, guy, how, how many guys How many guys are in the Hall of Fame below McGriff? Uh, Orlando Zepeda. Uh, Don Mattingly. Who, who got in on the Veterans Committee, whatever they called it then. That was back – do you remember when? Uh, no. 1999, he went in with George Brett, Nolan Ryan, and Robin Young. So Fred McGriff's 32nd, Don Mattingly's 39th, um, Gil Hodges is in, but he wanted as a manager too, right? 
He, he was just put in recently. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the first baseman Hall of Famers. Yeah, there's not many guys that are below him. Yeah. But still, he's 30. He, McGriff, what they say, was 32nd. Ahead of him, there are a couple guys ahead of him. Tony Perez, David Ortiz. He's right next to him. Yeah, his draws rating is, I think it's 44. Yeah, 44.3. And David Ortiz's was 45.3. So he's two behind. And David Ortiz didn't play in the field. I, I just I, – I, I'm just hoping you, – you know the old expression from Happy Days, jump the shark? Yeah. When Fonzie jumped the shark and that basically the program was over. I, I'm wondering – because the key to keeping a, a place, a business thriving, right, is to give reason for people to go. And to not have, not have the museum have this cloud over it. Because right now there's a cloud over it. And you got my generation who doesn't care. I'll still go. I'll still spend the money. Because, by the way, Cooperstown, New York is not easy to get to. It's not. You, gotta, you either you fly into New York or New Jersey and then rent a car or you're going to fly into Albany, the capital of New York, which is about 45 minutes away. It's not easy to get to, and it's expensive. So if you want to keep people going there, this next generation, you know, these kids, if you keep making all this murky stuff and now we're not putting people in and I, I don't know if it's good for – I don't know if it's good for the hall all around. I mean, at what point do people start going, ah, the hell with it, I'm not going. I'm not, I mean, you're spending thousands and thousands to go. You think about flights, hotels, you've you got all these, like, bed and back breakfasts. They are not cheap. And if people just start thinking, like, yeah, I don't like the way the business is being conducted, you know, that could, that, that maybe not good for business long term. I agree. I don't tell me what we drove. Now, it takes, it takes a long time, by the way, to change things. But if there's this whole generation that's growing up and all they hear is the debate about Bonds and Clemens and Pete Rose, you know, it used to just be Pete Rose. And everybody went gambling. Ooh, sports gambling was was naughty because everybody used bookies unless you're in Nevada. But now baseball is thoroughly into gambling. You're seeing fantasy ads, FanDuel, MGM. Baseball's in on gambling. So... It's not just Rose anymore. It's all these different players, and now Beltron. Beltron's not gambling. Beltron's not PEDs. He's the cheating scandal. So if Beltron gets in, think of think about how long this black cloud is going to go, right? If Beltron doesn't get in because of the cheating scandal, that means that's going to weigh heavily on, on Altuve. Altuve is how long away from retirement? <laughs> He's only like 30 or 31, so probably we'll say we'll be kind of say seven to eight years. Seven, eight years, another five years till he can be voted on. So we could be talking about this 12, 13 years from now with Altuve. You're talking decades long of constantly discussing why players are not going in, and it has nothing to do with what they did as players. Yeah. How? I mean, it takes a long time to turn a ship. But, you know, if you start pulling baseball fans and the Baseball Hall of Fame and all the talk is not about how many home runs, you know, you 
oh, it's about analytics. Well, if you're not talking about home runs and RBIs and average and wins and stuff like that, and we're going to base it all off analytics, a lot of your, 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 your RA9, your RA wins, <laughs> yeah. and then you're going to do it off scandals, at some point the, 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 the public is going to turn the channel and not care. I agree. And – I'll give you one more before we get out of here and give our big bowl predictions for. for the oh, I got a big bowl prediction. Well, I looked up Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent has a forty-five point six Jaws. That's just below Ian Kinsler. Ian Kinsler is not going to sniff the Hall of Fame, but he was a good player. Um, he's already ahead of he's ahead of Jose Otuve as we speak. There are Hall of Famers below Jeff Kent. The only thing like he's not who? Um, I mean, some of these guys I'm not even. Johnny Evers is on there. Bid McPhee, Tony Lazary. Bid. Yeah. When did he play? Uh, 18. <laughs> 1882. There you go. Bid was a great <laughs> player in 1882. Uh, Bill Mazeroski. I, I mean, he hit one of the greatest home runs in the history of the World Series. But, that was a big home run. Uh, but those are some guys. Kent's 21st. Um, uh, Otuve is going to. For second baseman? For second baseman. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. What's, what's scandals But yet him? he's got more home runs and RBIs than any of those guys ahead of him. Uh, correct, yes. He has 377. The next closest guy um, is oh, a guy that's probably not going to get in either because of scandal, Robbie Cano. <laughs> I mean, everywhere you look, we can't put guys in. We can't put guys into the Hall of Fame. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing. Can't put him in. Can't put him in. Can't put him in. Can't put him in and him and him. Oh, but he can get in, but he can't and he can't. That's where we're at. Here, here you go. Negative 0.1 war. Defensive war. I love Craig Biggio. Craig Biggio is a negative 2.9 defensive war all time. That is so Biggio is worse defensive war than Jeff Kent. He gets in, but Jeff Kent's got more dingers, more RBIs, but Biggio's got more hits. Yeah, Biggio's war was 65, so he had a higher war by about 10. But his deep, uh, uh, I'm, f- I'm 50, and I'm about over the Hall of Fame. And my grandfather's got stuff in the Hall of Fame. I've been to the bowels of the Hall of Fame. I've seen cool stuff. I love the place. Like I said, I've been there three times. I'm about over it. I'm like, who can you put in? Who you can? I don't like him for this. And I, it's like high school. It's like a high school popularity contest. He was mean to me, so I can't put him in. He was smoking pot after school, so I can't put him in. I mean, it's like it's like high school. This literally has become like high school. And then Beltron, Beltron comes in, and now he steps up to the front door, and now he's a whole different reason why we can't let somebody in the party. Right? Drugs, gambling, that was that. What's Beltron? He's sneaky. I'm going to look up Beltron right now, see where he's at real quick. We're Beltron's on spying on us in high school, so we can't put him in. I'll give you a list of guys ahead of him for center fielders. Tell me if you think, well, they're all Hall of Famers but one because the guy's still playing. Uh, Willie Mays. He was a decent player. Ty Cobb. Yeah, decent player. Tris Speaker. Decent player. Mick. Eh. Trouty. Heard of him. Uh, Griff. Overrated. E. Overrated. Senior or junior? Uh, junior. Right. Joe DiMaggio. Where have you gone? Uh, Duke Snyder. Who? And then who's ninth? Beltron. Beltron. Oh, Who? my God. Hold on. Who's 10th? I don't know. Kenny Lofton. Who's 11th? Kenny Lofton was a good player. Who's left? Andrew Jones. By the way, where did Kenny Lofton play hoop? Arizona. He was a terrific player. Uh, 
Yeah, Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. I'd put Andrew yeah. Jones. I never really thought about Kenny Lofton. But Kenny Lofton you have to look at as a leadoff hitter. Kenny Lofton, 68.4 war. Um, 68? Yep. Put him in. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me just go. He finished in the top five of the MVP once. I know that people look at that. Uh, Kurt Horan's at 130. No one cares. He was a, no, he was a he's center a leadoff fielder. guy. Um, I'm sure. But he had, he was a 299 career hitter. 299? Uh, yeah. I'm putting Lofton in. Yeah, uh, you know what? I'm now on the Kenny Lofton bandwagon. Arizona Wildcat. But back on the second baseman real quick. Five of the top 16 guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Think about it. Well, Cano and Utley aren't eligible yet. But Lou Whitaker's not in. Utley's not getting in. What was Utley's war? Uh, 64.5. That's pretty good. Uh, Bobby Gritch is in, and he had a 71.1 Oh, war. Bobby Gritch. Uh, you, and that to me, Bobby, I was a little kid when he played for the Angels. So I just remember some games on KTLA when I was a kid. I'm not going to say I saw Bobby Gritch's career. I just remember Bobby Gritch from when I was a kid. But he's got a 70 war, and he's not in? Correct. I, I don't I, Lou Whitaker's war is 75.1. He's part of the best double play combination in the history of he, baseball. He would be seventh on war on, among second basemen if you looked at this. Him one. him, and Alan Trammell. And Alan Trammell had to go veterans committee. And Luke, it's, it's – I, I, I can't wait for everyone to start making the argument when it gets down. We're like, oh, Pedroia should be a Hall of Famer. No, he got hurt, so he'll, we'll never have that. But it, it really is – it's like a party at high school. Who are we letting in and who are we not? And there's a bunch of reasons why we're not letting people in. There's a bunch of reasons. And, and it's not like we're, allowed, we're we're like, it's not like we're giving them jobs and giving them money in Major League Baseball. You're putting them into a museum that's about the history of the game. That's it. That's all it is. Being a Baseball Hall of Famer is you're inducted, you're voted in to a museum. We're not saying, you get this. Here's $10 million, here's a job, here's this, here's that. No, all it is is a plaque. Yeah. That's all it is is a plaque in a museum forever. Nothing else. Nothing else. And what, on your Wikipedia page it says HOF? I mean, it's crazy. You get in, you don't, you don't, you don't, you do, you don't. I mean, that's where we're at. We used to, I believe, if I remember correctly when I was growing up, you got voted in on based on your career. Now we're voting on all kinds of stuff. The Beltron thing brought a whole new issue in. Now it's spying. So we got drugs, we got gambling, and we got spying. Uh, before we get out of here, let's do our – give me your big, bold prediction for the winter meetings. My big, bold prediction is when I step foot in San Diego on Monday morning, Kurt Schilling – will be a Baseball Hall of Famer. Kurt Schilling is going to get voted in. That's my big, bold prediction. Nobody likes him. Totally understandable. <laughs> but his career speaks for itself. The numbers speak for itself. The postseason speaks for itself. And if he never gets in, and you don't have him, you don't have him ever arrested, you don't have him for any crime, you don't have them for PEDs. You know, that's why we've kept guys out, right? We've kept guys out for, for crimes, mm -hmm. PEDs, which are drugs, gambling, now spying. He's not on any of those categories. Correct. So if we're keeping them out, I mean, at some point, somebody's got to be like, whoa, what are we doing here? 
Mine is Carlos Correa will sign a 10-year, $330 million contract to return to the Minnesota Twins. 10 years. Yep. $330 million. That's $33 million a year. He's that, 28. That is a that is a very bold. And he goes back to Minnesota. Not 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 LA, not not the Yankees. He's going to Minnesota. Three hundred and thirty million. Well, I, I didn't want to do th- I figured I'd go higher than three twenty. I'll give him three I'll give him thirty three. Three hundred and twenty three million dollar contract. All right. Ten year. Ten ten year three thirty. Ten year three thirty. Back to the twins. And then I'm gonna go Kurt Schilling will get voted in as a baseball Hall of Famer. So there you go. There's our big one. I mean, there's other ones we can't. We talked about. We were spitballing earlier. I like those big bold predictions. Is there any? And you know what? Throw it to uh, our own Twitter account. Throw us your big bold predictions. Yeah, at, at Athletics Cast Twenty Four. We'll read the best ones on Monday if we get some good ones. I'm uh, I'm excited. I am really really excited. We'll be on at one o'clock. From the Manchester Manchester Hyatt right there on the water, right next to Seaport Village. I believe they still call it Seaport Village. Here, I'll put the, I'll put the full screen up so people can see it. This is they, There's all the information you need to know about us at the winter meetings. Coverage begins Monday at 1, all the way through Wednesday. We're going to be on multiple times Tuesday and Wednesday. What are we on Tuesday and Wednesday? What are the times? 9 to noon, 9 to noon and then 2 to 4. So hopefully something happens in between there. We, got, we went over the guests earlier. There's plenty of... Big-name guests that are going to be on with us. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the people we haven't seen in years and meeting new people that we've never met before. That's obviously how you meet new people. So it'll be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, it will be a great time. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, Paul Himbikides from ESPN and Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs. And the next time we talk to you, we'll be at the winter meetings and find out what are the A's doing, what are the rumors, and all the big signings, nobody will cover the winter meetings like A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi everyone, Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com that's lastdivebar.com. The winter meetings start Monday, and A's Cast has you covered. Join Chris Townsend as A's Cast Live will be broadcasting from the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego. Stay up to date on all things green and gold and around Major League Baseball with all major signings. And hear from the biggest names in the sport, such as David Force, Mark Kotze, Terry Francona, Mad Dog Chris Russo, Sarah Langs, and more. Coverage starts Monday at 1 p.m. on A's Cast, and you can watch the show live. Visit youtube.com slash athletics or on Twitter at athleticscast24. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.